Well, folks, here's Jerry Adams, Arish. August Maris Gratis, Hilda Gumsa, Gowil Shivsha, Gumoy. Want to start by saying very well done to the Irish Olympic team. It's been a long road for all of them and getting to these games, the 32nd Olympics of modern time, now taking place in Japan. The COVID pandemic, the postponements, the lack of competitions have all made the last year and a half a difficult time for them and for the thousands of other athletes from across the world who have been diligently preparing and honing their skills for the Games. The big day finally arrived last Saturday. The Irish team, courtesy of the Japanese alphabet, was fourth to enter the new national stadium in Tokyo. This year, the International Olympic Committee ensured that each team was led by a woman and a man. And for Ireland, that honour was given to boxer Kylie Harrington and her West Belfast colleague, Brendan Irvine, who side by side and carrying our national flag, led the Irish team into the almost empty Tokyo Stadium. It was a welcome change, enhanced by the Irish team ceremoniously bowing to their Japanese hosts. A proud moment of solidarity and courtesy between our Olympic representatives and the host nation. This is Ireland's largest ever Olympic team and all they will be participating in 19 of the 33 sports events. I wish them all well. And whether they bring home a medal or not, I believe they've already won through their participation and by their examples. And as we go to press, we can but bow to the rowers, the men and the women, from West Cork and to our boxers and indeed to our golfers. The Olympic spirit of solidarity, of humanity, of equality and generosity comes through in other ways and in other places also. Just ahead of the Irish Olympic team as it entered the stadium was the refugee Olympic team. It was established in 2016 for the Rio de Janeiro Games by the UN High Commission on Refugees and the International Olympics Committee. Its purpose is to raise awareness of the plight of refugees and send a message of hope to the estimated 82 million displaced persons across the globe. In 2016, there were just 10 athletes in its ranks. This year, there are 29, representing 11 countries, including Syria, Afghanistan and South Sudan. And meanwhile, meanwhile, in Kells and County Meath, the local community has opened its heart to helping refugees and is fundraising to bring a second Syrian refugee family into their community. Ahmed and his wife, Feda, and their three children, Mesa, aged eight, Kez, aged five, and Tasnan, three, moved into Kells in 2019. Another 20 communities in the southern state are also preparing to receive Syrian families in the autumn under the community sponsorship scheme. Sadly, that same Olympic spirit was absent among those who chose last week to abuse a small number of asylum seekers staying at the Lockshore Hotel in Carrickfergus. 
These asylum seekers are being temporarily housed in the hotel. The vitriol that has been directed at them is in part the outworking of a Tory government policy that aims to criminalise asylum seekers, which finds legal expression also in the Nationality and Borders Bill currently being pushed through the British Parliament. In an act of compassion and solidarity, an online petition with the hashtag Refugees Welcome was established and a petition has attracted over a thousand signatories and the support of most political parties, human rights bodies, elected representatives and individuals. They're all making a stand against racism and defending the right of migrants and ethnic minority communities to feel safe in their homes, in their workplaces and on the streets. As Kepa Archibald MLA said, Tafalsha Riv Natelfi and Shah. Refugees are welcome here. Sadly, the same generosity of spirit does not exist within the Israeli government's apartheid policy towards the Palestinian people. Last week saw the publication of the report by the Dahl's Joint Committee on Foreign Affairs and Defence on Demolitions and Displacements in the Occupied Palestinian Territory. The report was undertaken in April of this year following reports of an increase in demolitions, including buildings that had been constructed and renovated with financial assistance through the EU-funded multilateral aid and potentially with the assistance of money allocated on the international cooperation budget of the Department of Foreign Affairs. The report looks at the current situation in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and acknowledges that Israeli actions in the occupied Palestinian territories are making the goal of peace and a viable two-state solution harder to achieve. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs has been recording every demolition of Palestinian property in the West Bank, including East Jerusalem. Almost 90,000 men, women and children have been affected by demolition and displacement. A result of this is that family unity and cohesion is shattered as the displaced families are forced to move in with relatives or neighbours. Among its conclusions, the Joint Directors Committee accepts that the pattern of evictions, demolition orders and displacements are not random, but appear to be strategically focused on altering the the demography of East Jerusalem for the establishment of more illegal Israeli settlements in the area and physically segregating and fragmenting East Jerusalem from the west of the West Bank. It urges the government to use its seat and the forthcoming presidency of the UN Security Council to address the root causes of the prolonged occupation of Palestinian territory, the poverty, inequality and injustices associated with it, to demand directly reparation from the Israeli government for the destruction of projects where the Irish and EU funding was utilised, and to support the setting of a clear time frame towards the recognition of the state of Palestine. These common-sense objectives must be part of any genuine effort to achieve a permanent peace. As a people, we Irish, who have suffered from colonialism, these objectives reflect our natural empathy for other colonised and oppressed people. As much of our world burns and communities are devastated by floods arising in large part from climate change, 
the disparity in the distribution of COVID vaccines expresses, exposes the deep inequalities in wealth that exist between developed and developing nations. It's our duty, our responsibility to confront these injustices, to be generous towards the victims and to oppose imperialist and adventurist wars. We are, if we're truly internationalist, called upon to be champions of the cause of freedom in every land. Our objective, as James Connolly set it out, and the United Irish Society before him, to be part of a worldwide upward march of the human race. So, getting back to my story of Russell, the outlaw rooster, I've learned a lot about roosters since I told the tale of my battle with Russell Crowe last week. He's been keeping a low profile since his savage, cowardly assault on my ghoulies. Apparently, I'm not the first victim of unprovoked rooster aggression. Roosters have a reputation for crappet behaviour that makes Jim Allister seem placid. Apparently, roosters are really storming Normans with fancy feathers. Pity the poor hens having to put up with that all the time. John the Joiner told me that a rooster on his granny's farm landed on his head when he was a wee boy and proceeded to peck at his cranium. His granny swooped by. She definitely grabbed the rooster by the neck with one hand and karate chopped it with the other. We had roast rooster that Sunday. Grannies rule the roost. Grannies don't take prisoners, John said. A South Armagh correspondent who signed in as P. O'Neill tells me they have a sign around her way. Every rooster has its own dunkle, meaning every rooster have, has its own dunghill. Make of that what you will. In this case, P. O'Neill is appalling. Make of that what you will also. A later songster reminded me of the immortal lines. And every cock in the farmyard stock goes a triumph for the gale. And it wouldn't be surprising if there was another rising, says a man from the Daily Mail. The little people in my life are oblivious to all this. Russell is their hero. The dog knobbers also seem to be quietly proud of their feathered thug. I associate his low profile with them. It's obvious that they have him hidden away somewhere, though I shudder to think how they keep him from crowing. I suppose if you can kidnap dogs... You can silence a crowing cock. Some people are very, very creative. The daddy dog knobber didn't take my complaint too seriously when I reported Russell's assault on me to him. It's never attacked me, he said, and that was that. Then later that night, I heard a loud series of cackles, a string of curses, and the noise of battle. That's when Russell went underground. Later, the little people in my life told me that Russell attacked the daddy dog knobber. I was delighted. Maybe now he will do something about Russell. It makes a devil laugh to see the biter bitten. But it's not over until it's over. I will get my own back on that hallion of a rooster if it's the last thing I do. He can't hide forever. He's too proud for that. One of these dawns, his crowing will give him away. And then...
So Shinne Kara Brun Aramsa Ma Bay Kopla Man Kogi on Marta Kyondama Charlie Han Chenneg and Bamacha so Tame Gedebyog uh Buraha August We Bru Huishin. So Glagarai Togabogai Slanlev. Every time.